Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Three Questions. I am your host, Andy Richter. And today I am talking to Todd Barry. Uh, Todd is a stand-up comedian and actor. And as you'll soon hear, he has been performing comedy for almost 35 years His latest special domestic short here is available right now on the All Things Comedy YouTube channel for free. Nothing. Todd joined us via Zoom in New York. He's a very funny guy. And here is my conversation with Todd Barry. It's probably hard for you because the only clapping you're used to is standing ovations. Am I right? <laughs> you got it. We're off to a good start. I like this. <laughs> well, hello, Todd. How are you? You're are you good, at home Andy. in New York? Yeah, I'm in my messy. Looks like I just moved in apartment. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not going to comment on that at all. I live in a gray booth. I was going to say you look like in your yeah your padded cell or something. No, it's a. Uh, I'm at the Conan Podcast Studios. Oh, okay. Uh, my house has two barking dogs in it. Yeah. And uh, a wife who works from home. So I need to leave. I need to get out <laughs> yeah. of the house. So how are you? How's things? We haven't talked in a million years. We used to I see know. each other all the time. Yeah. Um, trying to think the last time I ran into you. I know. I feel like it was at a festival, like in Pro- Montreal or something. Could have been. Yeah. No, but, it's been a long yeah, it was time. Years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But I've been all right, man. I just, you know, I put the special out. Yeah. Uh, that is the so uh, Todd Berry domestic short here, which you can see on the All Things Comedy YouTube channel. Yeah. For free. For free. Yeah. What is the, I don't even know what the All Things Comedy YouTube channel is. <laughs> you don't? Um, I don't. It's, I'm uh, not really build- an industry insider like, <laughs> like so many people think of me. It's sort of a comics collect, comic run media company, I guess, production uh-huh. company started by Bill Burr and Al Madrigal. Oh, nice. And it's got Mike Bertolina's, Bertolina's the head of it. And, yeah. And they paid for this special and it gets 30 million hits. Then I could pay them back for what they spent on it. <laughs> Is it really 30 million or you just, I don't know. It's, I don't know the math yet, but I mean, it's doing pretty well, but I mean. Is it doing pretty assume. well? I yeah. Know. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to know though. I mean, I don't, I feel just like as an old person which I do mm-hmm. consider myself now. Like people tell me like that this podcast does well. And I'm like, what? It, what? it does. Okay. I mean, uh, what does that mean exactly? Cause uh, you know, right. I'm not getting stopped in the street, No, but, <laughs> you know, about, about my podcasting, but <laughs> you know, all I can say is thank God I've had enough of that in my life. Yeah, man. It's nice to lay low and be yeah. fly under the radar a little bit being torn to bit by by uh hangers on and so forth <laughs> well are, are you you're are you on tour now i mean because i am of, on tour yeah. i'm doing this tour called the half joking tour which is roughly half jokes and then the rough roughly half crowd work um do people I'm at sure the end be like that was 48 percent crowd work i was about to say that i i might have <laughs> there might be some misleading advertising as as the tour evolves like oh maybe we're Maybe it's seventy thirty, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the crowd but, work. The crowd works a lot less homework. Yeah, and it just eats. Uh, I mean, it, you can eat up so much time with that. Yeah. Um, which is the half the reason I'm up there is just to eat some time. And but which yeah, do so I'm you, doing that. Which do you prefer doing at this point? Because you've been doing this. Well, I mean, how long have you been doing? It's like 
30 years or so, right? Oh, how long I've been doing comedy? It's going to yeah, be 36 yeah. years. November 1st will be 36 years. years. Wow. Yeah. But, That's great. Um, and they were just, ta- I was just talking to your producers that I was on, like, it's almost coming up on the 30 year anniversary of me being on Conan. Oh, really? My, deb- my debut, yeah. Well, you must have debuted early because I think. It yeah, was 93. Up- yeah, you were in very early uh, yeah. on the show because that we just had our 30th anniversary of the show's premiere, which I yeah, yeah. didn't even realize was happening, you know? That's that's how auspicious an event it is for me. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, right. Oh yeah, that. You know. But that's because I've retired from show business, really. I'm really? not in it. Oh my god. I'm not really in it so much anymore. I mean, if the phone were to ring, I might reconsider coming out of retirement. So it's incoming only, is the uh Exactly. You're exactly. feeling all incoming offers. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, I, every time uh, every time uh, a, a job ends, I've retired, and then if they hire me again, like, well, it's my big comeback. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I am with acting. I mean, I I've gotten some things handed to me, and then I do an audition. I kind of just want to be like, yeah, if someone asked me, but oh yeah, but I still audition. Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah, I've never been one of those people. that's like. Uh, I won't audition. They have to offer it because I just kind of feel like, no, I sort of thought that was part of the deal. Like, yeah, like it isn't like Chevrolet gets to a point where it's like no more test drives, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like yeah, you just yeah. got to buy this thing. Well, now, how did you get started in comedy? Because you you grew up in Florida. You weren't really part of like a show business family, right? <laughs> No, I uh, I was born in New York, and then when I was eight, we all moved down to Florida because my dad's company got moved, transferred the old company. Yeah, I, this thing about stand-up, like, I always tried to be funny in real life, and I was kind of a gutless class clown. Like, I didn't really get in trouble. Like, I took it just a few levels below getting in trouble. Yeah. I never thought about being a stand-up. It was, like, something I actively didn't want to do, and uh, and it still why, shows. Well, why, you know? why, why, why didn't you want to? Well, I mean, I went through a, a drumming phase where I was in oh. bands and I wanted to be a rock star, but I also didn't want to practice my drums. So yeah, I, I never got particularly good. <laughs> but there's there's that little element of being a drummer that I, I kind of skipped over, which is the getting good part. Yeah. But um, yeah, so in Florida, I used to go to like open mics just to watch. Cause this was the 80, the comedy boom of the late eighties mm-hmm. where there was comedy everywhere and probably seven or eight full-time comedy clubs just in Florida. And, um, it was the thing where you could just kind of get on, they just had these open bike nights where it's like, you could call up, you know, you want to be a comedian and you call up like on Sunday and you're all right, we'll see you tomorrow. And that's, I kind of went and I did that in, um, at a club called coconuts in North Miami beach. And I did five minutes and I had this weird it was a very surreal feeling afterwards, like something. I felt like my life was changing. Really? Yeah, because I, I never planned on doing it. And then I just kept on his old mics and I just got this little like voice going, you should go up. You should try that. Don't you want to try that? And I wrote out my little McDonald's and circumcision chunk. <laughs> and uh, I was very Circumcis- memorized. Circumcision chunk is not a pleasant <laughs> phrase. I know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I need to, the wide variety of subjects of McDonald's. How do I, I don't remember how I segue into. <laughs> speaking of, uh, sir. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of meat. Um, yeah, speaking of loss. So I just kept doing it and then I kind of just didn't stop. And thing is, the open mics in Florida, they were during like a regular headlining show. So it wasn't like there's open mics in like LA and New York where you're performing for 20 angry comics who are waiting to go on and are going to ice you out or they're right. not always angry, but if there's no one there, but comics, it's a little bit of a buffer, but yeah. But I mean, but why? So you, so you actually were in front of like real. Oh yeah. It was like types. A, probably a crowd of like 90 or hundred people and pumped wow. crowd. There were, it was a time when people were like, let's go see comedy and you didn't have to be famous. They just, it was like this new thing. Oh, there's yeah, comedy yeah. clubs and the Howard Johnson's hotel in North Miami. And, wow. And what, I mean, prior to that, I mean, what was sort of like, did you have like an identity as a kid? Like, were you, were you a drummer kid? I mean, was that sort of. Yeah, I kind of was, I kind of majored in English. I did major in English, but I barely got out of college, University of Florida. had like a 2.11 when I graduated. So I I didn't really have, I just kind of, 
Yeah, I was at ADHD, un- yeah, un- yeah. undiagnosed ADHD. Now that in retrospect, I think that's what was going on with me. Yeah. Because I was, I'm very intelligent, but I'm also just unorganized and unfocused and, you know, that kind of like the exams tomorrow and I have to read four books. I, yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> that was honestly, that was my entire scholastic career. It was, oh, fuck. Yeah. Three months have gone by and I've done nothing. And exactly. The bill has come due. But uh, yeah, I mean, I tried to do the band thing for till I was like 23 and then it just that didn't work out. Was anybody in your family like were the was there any kind of like, okay, so your fallback for your drumming plans are to be a stand up comedian? Like, (laughs) was there ever any sort of pressure to do something, you know, quote unquote legit or? There's, there's minimal, I mean, I think my parents basically knew th- that I had to be left alone, but there was minimal occasional comments like, Hey, do you want to get into publishing or something or, or, you know, like a, that kind of, yeah, the proper job. And I just didn't do it. And then I showed them, didn't I? But they weren't like, <laughs> they weren't like, we're not paying for your college and we're, you know, they were, they were supportive. They probably just had a little bit of like worry in them. Yeah. But, but it Do you wasn't have like, siblings? I don't. I don't know if you have siblings or not. I don't know either. No, I have a brother. You have a brother. Yeah, he's and, in advertising. And, and was he? Were they more sort of? Like, did they knuckle? Make him knuckle under? Although advertising is pretty creative field too. So yeah, I mean, my dad was in advertising too. So oh, I see. Yeah, no, they were they were pretty laid back. Like not not like hippie parents by any stretch. Yeah, they weren't. It was not a strict household. Yeah, like you could say shit. And, you know, and you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get in trouble or something. Right. When you started to, I mean, at what age are you doing these these open mics? I guess around 23. Uh-huh. So you were out of college by the time you did that? Yeah, I was out of college for about a year, I guess, when I started. Yeah. And, and did you I get a straight I was, job? I got, I was a substitute teacher and I yeah. got temp jobs. I used to love jobs where I wasn't working with anyone. <laughs> Which kind of makes sense, <laughs> kind of like it does. Like, it does because it's yeah. still kind of the same thing. Yeah, minus the crowd and, um, work, you know. Yeah, you're right. you're on your own. Yeah, so I used to like getting jobs like that, and I did substitute teaching for a long time and for a number of years in Florida. Then I did it in New York when I moved here, and you know that's not an easy job, but it's yeah. very flexible. Like you didn't have to, like you just worked when you wanted to work. So if I had a road gig or whatever. I didn't have to like trade shifts with someone or at a restaurant or something, but I yeah. also was a waiter. So I had sort of not, not really creative, interesting jobs. Was that on purpose? Were you sort of like leaving yourself with like, I got to make comedy work? No, nah, I wasn't that conscious. I, I think there was just, cause it even took me a while to realize that I was kind of a comedian. Like I remember this moment was like, I guess I'm a comedian. Cause I'm like, I'm doing it every chance I get. And I what, don't know. What I, were you prior to that? What did you think you were prior to that? Prior to a comedian? I was just. Yeah. A, prior to thinking, hey, I'm a comedian. Just a dude. I guess I was, you know, trying to be a musician, but I don't. I, again, I don't think I was good enough, but I didn't really. I don't guess I didn't have an identity. I didn't walk around. Comedy's the first thing where I was like, oh, this is what I do. Kind of. Yeah. And were there other benefits? I mean, to it, did it like enhance your self-image or did it hurt your self-image to be thinking of yourself in that way? Did you notice changes Um, in just sort of your attitude or the way that you lived your life? I mean, I think I was a shy, awkward kid, shockingly. And um, (laughs) unlike every other comic. And so I think there is a, because the thing with comics, there's some people I know you you can barely have a conversation with them. Then they go on stage. Like, how do you do that? Yeah. But so there, I think there is sort of a, Hey, look, look what I can do and you can't do kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, when, when I'm really getting ugly about it, probably that's, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know why, I guess I do it to over to compensate for feeling, uh, awkward, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And is that still a component do you think? Or, I mean, you got to, you know, at some point. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the psychology of it really, but I, there is something when you're like, feel pretty good about what you do. And like, I'm pretty good at this. I mean, that there is, that does. I make, think you're better than pretty good. I mean, you, I know, I'm you don't get amazing, to do but, this. I know, I know you, <laughs> you're being humble, but I'm going to stop you and say, you know, you're pretty great at this. And oh, I thank think you. widely regarded as, you know, a real sort of craftsman, let's mm. say, which is something that I like. 
I like to think of doing this stuff as a craft as opposed maybe even more so than an art, because I do think it's like there is kind of a workmanlike aspect to it that I think is valuable to focus on. Yeah, I think especially even with stand up is a very like, you know, just go to these towns, do your little thing. It's it's not it's not super glamorous all the time. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. But it's you see, it is seems to be that comics are like the the blue collar workers. I heard someone say that of of show business. But yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah. And do you, I mean, how do you start to feel like you're making real traction in comedy in general, or how did I? Uh, you know, you 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 in person. I don't care about general. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think you always have these moments where you're like, oh, this is going to be like. I remember early on in New York, like. 30 years ago, maybe even before I did Conan, Seinfeld happened to be in the room when I did a set and I kind of saw him laughing pretty loud. And then he made a beeline towards me after the show. And I was like, oh shit, I did one of his jokes. I'm in trouble. And he had like a note on one of my jokes. And I was like, I really thought, oh man, that's a good sign, huh? Seinfeld's commiserating with me. And I, <laughs> and then like the next day you're bombing or something or right. like, again, someone not paying you or something. But I did move to New York after about doing it for about a year, which was probably too soon. Yeah, I was going to say, what gave you the nerve to to move to New York? Well, when we were living in Florida for about 15 years, we made a couple of trips as a family up to New York. And at just some point, I was like, oh, this is where I want to live. Mm. So I, I decided that before I decided to be a comic. And it was very unusual for me because it's not, I'm someone who like, if I buy a new iPad, I'll agonize over which one to get for months mm. and this was like no I'll, I'll move to new york i, I want to move to new york and so i moved i was going to move regardless and i had a roommate in college who's a painter who wanted to move to new york so we just moved up there and got a gross apartment but yeah i mean i think i moved if i had to do over again i probably would have waited a year and done the road for a year and then i would have been better comic when i got to new york yeah he because you go and you watch these clubs, you see a guy do six minutes. You're like, oh yeah, I could, I could do that. And you're like, yeah. maybe, if, maybe I could do like seven minutes if I did it. I mean, early on in your career, you, I remember moments. Well, I mean, early on in your career, you're, there's times where you're like, tonight I'm doing every joke I've ever written. There's, there's no like, what am I going to do tonight? And, <laughs> and I'm been, praying it lasts fifteen minutes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And there was always a number of times where you'd be like, kind of like sneaking a look at your watch, like, oh my god. <laughs> what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Hi, I'm John Lovett, host of Love It or Leave It. Every week, I'm joined live on stage by incredible guests to break down the biggest and dumbest stories in politics and pop culture. And now, because there's too much news for just one show, join me and my friends, also known as beloved producers who have to be there, every Tuesday for a rundown of the latest headlines to help get you through another flawless week in our perfect society. Listen to episodes of Love It or Leave It wherever you get your podcasts, or catch the funniest moments on the Love It or Leave It YouTube channel. I'm Phoebe Judge, host of the podcast, This Is Love. Stories about love and all of the surprising forms it can take. Like a man who finds a baby on a subway platform. A woman who spends most of her time alone until a fox starts coming around. And in one of my favorite episodes, we meet a man who forgot his wife and had to get to know her and fall in love all over again. Listen to new episodes of This Is Love wherever you get your podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a crow? Yeah, I, I, I think I moved up there too early, maybe at least for comedy-wise, but I, you know, I guess it all worked out. What was it, I mean, when you moved here, I mean, because there was a pretty vibrant comedy scene when you moved here. Was that intimidating oh, yeah, was, or was it, was it invigorating? It was... Um, and what, I mean, it what was, were some of the people that were around that you kind of started to rub Oh, shit, like, I'm like, it was like, 
Ray Romano, uh, Lou Schneider. I remember Jonathan Solomon, John Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like this one club, Catch Rising Star, where I, which was like a pretty big time club. And it was yeah. sort of notoriously, the guy who booked it and ran it was a little challenging to deal with. And uh, I'm not going to mention his name, but. Right. People can go. But he would just do things like, hang out, hang out. We'll try to get you on. And you're just like, hang it out. And they don't get you on. And For three hours or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's fun because you're like, oh, it's all new to me, really, like living in New York. But there is a thing like, what? Well, maybe I could go on somewhere and not hang out. Right. Yeah, and I think I just, the reason I'm wherever I am now is just because I just didn't give up. And I just, yeah. I had a million reasons to quit. And What kept you going? I mean, what, do you feel like there's one thing that kept you going? I don't know. Because it's not like one of those things like, yeah, it's all I could do. I mean, but it does feel like, I feel like it is, I don't know. I guess I just, maybe just like, no, you're not going to win this one. I'm going to win this one. Uh, just stubborn. Well, I don't like to think of myself as stubborn, but maybe that is stubborn. Or I guess maybe I just knew that, you know, a lot of this I don't think about, but for the purpose of your podcast, I will think about it. I am. <laughs> yeah, come on. We got an hour to fill. It's better than just sitting there going, hmm, no. But I, uh. I think I probably just was like, not going to let you win this one and, and I'll find something. I mean, I feel, I feel like comedy is just like, find who likes you and work with them. Right. Because you realize at some point if you get some perspective and you're like, oh, that club that I was dying to get into, I could have a career without that club. Right. Or, and a lot of times there's also like that feeling of like some guy who was jerking you around the booker and then three years later, like, what's that guy doing now? Yeah. Is he going on TV? Like, yeah. just because there's some shitheads and power trip people. But there was also, I think I was also, honestly, I was probably a bit of a pain in the ass, maybe. In what way? I just remember calling people like relentlessly. Oh. But I, I but it was also people like who weren't calling me back, I think. So I think it's like, no, you can't, you can't call me back. And, <laughs> but, but, you know, you met rookie mistakes. Yeah. Well, I think what you say, too, about, you know, you're going to find people that that like what you're doing. That's I mean, that's also that, that's such a huge thing with comedy. And you mentioned perspective on it, too, because so many young comedians start out with this. Uh, like somebody once referred to, like, you know, Robert Smigel's attitude. I don't think it's so much anymore, but his attitude towards comedy is a jihad. And there's. <laughs> And I and I've known so many comedians, not not so much any anymore, because it was a it's very much a young person's thing to be like there is comedy that is good, and then there's comedy that is shit and it's evil, and I'm going to preach against it, and I'm going to do everything that I can to stop it. And then after you're around a while, you're like, look, there's different tastes for different people. Yeah, I've never you know? been like the you know like there's all these guys who kind of like the that people pounce on and, you know, like what I don't, maybe I shouldn't mention names, but, and then no, so it's like, like are big successful and they're considered hacks among. Yeah. Or like, like Carrot Top, for example, who I actually right. started with in Florida, people were like, like Carrot Top's, he's funny and he's not hurting you and he's yeah. not pretending he's a political comic. Right. He's just doing his goofy act and making people happy. Yeah. And it doesn't affect your life at all. Like people just use them as like a punchline. It's like, I mean, I guess, you know, carrot, call yourself carrot top is going to be some of that, but. Right. But I just like, I never like got up in arms about that. Yeah. I mean, privately, I would like, if I was sitting across from someone, I can definitely shit talk, but I. Oh yeah. That's I, I don't openly the... shit. Yeah. I don't right. shit talk into a microphone. No, no. It's, um, it's definitely a bitching about people is one of the best things about being <laughs> a, a professional, a professional in this business is to find another professional who likes to bitch about stuff and then be yeah, like, yeah. oh, good, let's go to town. Yeah. Right. And like, yeah, especially when you kind of lock in on someone who like that guy sucks, right? Yeah. Yo, yeah, yeah he yeah. does suck. And you're like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. When did, when did the stuff, was the Conan show like your first time on TV? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. And then I did Letterman shortly after, but yeah, I mean, Conan, I just got on the day's notice. And you were just ready to do it? I went out with Paula. Uh, they needed someone and I got recommended and, um, she just met me at a club and I think I did five sets that night, just going over the set and she's like, yeah, let's do this. And 
I wore some terrible outfit, which I don't know what I was thinking, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, and it went pretty well. And then Gary, Sher- Gary Shandling saw it and ended up putting me on Larry Sanders show. So, oh, wow. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's something I learned is just like, I mean, to be like, you shouldn't just, you should always do a good show, but you also never know who's going to be watching. Yeah. And if you do the work and you're get good, that's the most important thing because yeah. then you'll be good. Then you'll get recommended and then someone will see this and. Before you know it, you're getting 22 cent residual checks from <laughs> like a year, decades later. Oh, you know? yeah. But, uh, uh, do you, did you find doing material is a good place to kind of like talk about stuff that, yeah, I, I don't know, I guess maybe use it in a therapeutic way, you know, like mm-hmm. to kind of talk or is that just not the one, one of your ways of doing stuff? I've never been like a comedy is my therapy. I'm pretty I'm pretty closed book. I'm pretty private. Yeah. Um, and especially on stage. And I mean, I know people who are like, ah, so I was fucking this woman. And like, you know, oh, yeah, my mom's yeah, in yeah. the crowd also tonight. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you, you're a different person <laughs> than I am. But, but uh, yeah, I've never, I mean, the most personally, I think there's like a joke I do about being a, I used to do. Because I, I turn over my act every three months. No, sure, I, of course, of course. I, uh, I used to do a joke about being a, a, a lazy germaphobe, and I was like, "Oh, that's actually kind of uh, a little bit open to me to talk about it." But I mean, I made a joke about it. But and you don't like that? You, that bothers you? I mean, I just don't. I don't talk about super personal. I mean, I make fun of myself, but I never. I mean, there's times when like that comedy does make me feel better, regardless of what the subject matter is that I'm talking about. Like, yeah. Like after 9-11, it actually felt good to do comedy. I guess that makes sense. But if I'm going through like a more personal, like breakup situation, then it doesn't always really heal, but it doesn't have healing powers. Is that, is that just a personal thing or is that like, is there like, when you hear other comment, uh, other comics being sort of confessional, do you think, mm-hmm. you I don't you know, like it's too much, you know, does it make I you mean, uncomfortable? I mean, if they're funny, I, it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I mean, that's a thing where it's just like, all right. That's the way you like to do it, and I can appreciate it and enjoy it. And I mean, I don't want to be like funny is funny, but that is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it is, some, yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine being getting on stage, you know, night after night. It's got to be sort of good for your self image. I mean, you yeah, know? definitely, yeah. I mean, you you go on stage and it goes well, and you kind of walk around a little bit, at least amongst the people. As you yeah. walk through the crowd, you're like, oh, yes, that was me. I'm the one who just did that. Sad. It was pretty good. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. So it does make you feel good about yourself. On, yeah, yeah. But it also doesn't, if you're someone who doesn't always feel good about themselves, it's not, it doesn't transfer like across the board in every situation. Yeah. Now you, uh, I mean, you you talk and you have talked in the past kind of about, you know, road life. And you even had mm-hmm. a book that was called, uh, Thank You for Coming to Hattiesburg. Yeah, still available. Of not quite the biggest cities in the world. Yeah, and you know, and that book is kind of you know, it's a it's a joking sort of tour guide to unremarkable places. Yeah, and, and I mean, how is it to be? Because I mean, I've had tiny tastes of what life on the road is mm-hmm. like, and I realized like, oh, I would be four hundred pounds and an absolute, you know, like yeah. just pouring booze down myself constantly if yeah. I was on the road. And I wonder, you know, like what your the evolution of your dealing with it and 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 how you look at it now. I I mean, I kind of on some level I love it because I I think it's I mean you just it's really nice to show up in Birmingham, Alabama, and there's 200 people who are like, holy shit, yeah, you're so cool, you came here. Because I've never I've never really I guess I I've never really I can't say I had contempt, but when, I'm always confused when comics are like. I just, I just work in New York. I mean, it's easy. Yeah. But don't you, I always think like, I always equate it. I've used this before where it's just like, if you made a movie, would you say, I only want my movie playing in New York, San Francisco and Chicago. Yeah. No, you'd want it playing everywhere. So yeah. I think it's good to go around and I'll see, I mean, you make more money on the road than I, I would in the city. Yeah. And I just like, uh, it makes, it's kind of like an event. It's kind of like, it's, it elevates you. It's not like being on a showcase in New York with 12 other comics, which is always right. fun, but in a great time, but it's like, it's your show. 
is that is that something i mean because you mentioned it's like you kind of like doing stuff solo you like you know you said yeah you had day jobs you like working alone and is that a function of the same impulse i think so but i mean i can't say that i don't get lonely because sometimes it is you know you're like in kenosha wisconsin and you're in a lighthouse by yourself. Like, I just remember that's a recent <laughs> thing I did like a couple of years ago. I just went to the I was I'm going to go look at this lighthouse, pay $10. And it's kind of a little weird. Like, yeah. on some level, it's like, hey, it's cool that I'm checking out a lighthouse here in Kenosha. But it is kind of like, I wouldn't mind having someone next to me. But yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not like a total, like, I never want to hang out with people. Guy. I'm kind of a social loner, I guess. How have you learned, like, what do you do with yourself on, on tour? And is that, is that like a skill you had to learn or was that something you always kind of, cause I'm terrible with, with a blank day, like, like a whole day of like, now I have to figure out what to do with myself. I usually, um, I can do nothing like so, and it goes by so fast. Like, holy shit, I've been doing nothing for 10 hours, you know? Right. I mean, I've never been one. I mean, I know comics who go on the road and they're just like, oh, yeah, just stay in my room all day. It's like, why are you traveling? Yeah. I mean, on some level, I'm not saying, you know, if you go to some city and whatever, that there's like tons of, I just like to find like something good in every place I go to. Yeah. And it's often, I mean, as I talk about my book to the point where people were complaining, I, I got to just coffee shops. Oh, and every, that's like a big thing for me. Just going to a coffee shop. And, just finding whatever coffee shop. Yeah. Like, well, look cool. You know, if I can find Do the, you Google them, you Google like what's oh, the I, best I, coffee I, shop I, in Kenosha. I will sometimes. Yeah, I will do that. I, I've done that. Like it shows that I'm not doing for six weeks or, you know, I'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> or I'll, just to get it or, planned out ahead of time. Or I'll search for, you know, I'll go on hotels.com and put it, I'll find the coffee shop that I want to go to. And then I'll go on hotels.com. And search for hotels near the coffee shop, because also that tells you maybe it's a cool neighborhood. But right, you, know, right. you can't you can't always get like the third wave coffee shop in every city you go to. But <laughs> but yeah, it, it's you know it's I I wander around. I don't. But I you know sometimes it is really it's lonely. But, yeah, because there's a lot of places that are not suited to pedestrian strolling or do right. not have a central area for out of towners to come do interesting things. It's, you know. Yeah. There's, there's definitely many times where I've been put up at a hotel and you're like, this is, I could maybe walk to a waffle house. Yeah. If I want to walk for 20 minutes on a highway. Do you have a favorite, like, or do you have surprise favorite cities or, you know, that you like, I thought I was going to hate Tulsa, but Tulsa's fine. Or I like Tulsa. Oh, uh, I mean, there's cities that I really like, but I mean, trying to think of one like the falls into that example. I had a, I mean, I think I've done good shows in Tulsa, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I, I just brought up Tulsa because Tulsa, like I spent a little bit of time in Tulsa and Tulsa is a cool place. Too. Yeah, Tulsa it's really like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's got like a real fun sort of, like you can sense that there's creative, fun people there. Right. You know. I mean, I can't think of one that was like, whoa, I didn't, because I. Normally it's the actual show that surprises me. Like, like if I doing a Ben, like I did a benefit the other day and I was like, oh, those are usually nightmares and it was yeah. really fun. So that's kind of, that's the kind of surprise, but trying to, I mean, I feel like Pittsburgh's a cool city that people don't appreciate. Um, yeah. I don't know if I have a great answer to your question. It might not have been, it might not have been that good a question. No, it was a good uh, question. I, Cause you I did, you, went, you said Pittsburgh and then I'm like, oh, okay, good. You know, that, that's on me. Uh, yeah, the follow-up is on me. Um, <laughs> hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. 
Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a crow? Do you have any, like, sort of nightmare stories of, like, you know, like, it being in a town and then, like, the you know, because I know sometimes the clubs put you up at places. You mean, like, just, like, shitholes? Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. place. There's or like comedy the comedy condos. condos, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've had those. And I remember one I stayed, this was somewhere in, I think it was in Wisconsin, but I, the guy showed me the condo and this was kind of shocking to me. And I kind of looked around. He's like, you don't want to stay here, dude. <laughs> no, I don't want to stay here. Like one <laughs> of the rooms had just like a shower curtain as the door. And like, <laughs> so you're sharing. It's like, you know, that's the comic who's going to hook up that night. It's, sure, sure. Yeah. It's the or one the with one the shower with curtain. All, kind, yeah, all kinds of substance problems, you know? Right, right. Yeah. But so, I mean, I, I've lucked out because I've, I've stayed in condos before, but I, I haven't had like a life of staying in condos. But yeah. But they're, yeah, they're all, they're, it's just something depressing about you show up. There's like half a jar of mustard at the refrigerator. And like, it's like, I'll take any hotel room over that. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. No, that I've never stayed in a comedy condo, but I've uh -huh. heard so much about them that I just know like, oh no, that sounds, that sounds like a road trip, like a fraternity road trip. Right. With a fraternity that I didn't join, you know, like that, it, like, like, you know, like, cause maybe it's just like, oh yeah, it'll be random standups. And I'd be like, oh no, that's the odds yeah. of that being unpleasant are far too high. I mean, I love <laughs> comedians, but I don't want to share bedroom and bathroom space with them. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's often, or they'll do a thing where they'll, they will put you in a hotel, but it's like by the highway. And then you're like, you drive, you drive eight miles to the venue and like, oh, there's a hotel across the street from the club. Yeah. 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 I know it's yeah. $30 more a night. Right. But yeah. And there's restaurants here and there's right. a bookshop. Yeah. 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 I've had that where the people want to put me up at the airport. Like, why am I stay at the airport? I'm not, not, I'm not on a layover on the way to <laughs> Bangkok or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or meeting up someone for some, you know, like for a handoff, yeah. you know, some sort of drug <laughs> handoff. <laughs> um, you, uh, you know, I mean, the, the tour that you're doing right now, the crowd work uh -huh. tour, um, it's, and you had, you had a, you had a special, right? That was just crowd work, right? Yeah. I had a special that I did seven cities of all crowd work. Yeah. And, and how does that, I mean, you, you know, and you are one of those people, cause there is a subset of comedian that's like, that's a crowd work person. And yeah, I don't want to be that though. That's the thing. <laughs> well, then why do you name specials uh, crowd work? I, well, I did that. Fair question, Andy. But, uh, <laughs> Thank you. I uh, I just don't know. I don't want to be like pigeonholed as a crowd. I mean, if if someone says he's got, because I do have pretty good jokes. Oh, I know you do. I just wouldn't want to be like. I oh, he's a crowd you liked I it. I assumed you liked it. I do like it. I mean, the thing is, it's become very. I don't know if you go on Instagram and see. There's just everyone is posting crowd work clips yes. now because they're disposable. Yes, and. Yeah, so they it's don't, kinda, they're not kinda wasting kinda material. Yeah. Right. I'm a little put off by like just the, it's just the saturation of crowd work. And also, I mean, I, I hate when comics do crowd work, honestly, but I do it very well. And I also do it, <laughs> I mean, I do it as a headline, in a headliner situation. So there's no one has, I don't mess up the room yeah. for someone, but you're quite, oh, do I like it? I, I remember the first crowd work show I did when I, I booked the crowd work tour before I filmed one. And I remember it was in Philadelphia. It was my first one ever. And I just remember going to the, th getting ready and like, man, I don't have to do anything to get ready yeah. for this show. Just look good. Just steam this shirt in the shower and uh, <laughs> see what happens. But I'm, I'm yeah. often more relaxed doing crowd work than I am doing material. But why is that? Are the know. stakes lower in your mind for some reason? I think I've thought about this before and I think it might be because. With when you're telling a joke, you know where they're supposed to laugh. Yeah. So you're kind of like they better laugh there, and if they don't, then it's a failure. Whereas if you're like just talking, it's a little yeah. I guess it's less pressure in a way. Yeah. But it is also 
sometimes it, if you're, it feels like, you know, it's the pulling teeth situation in here, but this is a long commit. I have like 25, 30 shows that are all going to be half crowd work. So, you know, I'm a little uh, scared. Think, well, when you say you don't want to be known as the crowd work guy, is that something that's happened now that you've kind of more put crowd work forward in, in your marketing basically? I mean, when that special came out, I mean, I did crowd, that was like 2013 or 14. People were like, wow, I didn't expect them to be good at crowd work. I kind of like that. Yeah. I just wouldn't want to, because I mean, I would want to be like, yeah, I just don't want to be a crowd work guy. I, yeah. I want to be a guy who did a crowd work show and a crowd work tour, a few crowd work tours. Yeah. I don't think I want to be, does this make sense or am I just rambling? It does make sense. And I also, I'm also probably, I'm also mm -hmm. making the assumption that when you decided to do it in 2013, I actually have it here where uh, 2014 it was released mm -hmm. and and I could see that at that time, it being kind of a novel thing. And yeah. not a lot of people were putting, were like the, in fact, the phrase crowd work was probably more of a trade phrase that a lot of outsiders didn't know. Yeah. And was, now everybody's doing it. And like you say, and you didn't say it, but I'll say it. A lot of these Instagram clips that are crowd work are like, I wa I'll watch them and I'll be like, well, wait, where was the funny part? Like, right. you know, I heard That's the audience reacting but there wasn't anything that told me oh i should go see this person spend a half hour to an hour on stage you know yeah i, I mean there is a thing where like just because you filmed it doesn't mean you have to post it that's right and that's i think right. I, I understand people want attention and they want it but i mean i've even had like sometimes i'll go to a town and i'll say hey i need an opener local can you send me some clips of people and i could fit, pick one who's suitable and they'll send me clips of people who are like bombing like, this is your calling card? You're bombing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this part of me, like, they should hire the guy who bombs, but. Yeah, no, I, it's, uh, it is, it's, because there is most of what I do. In fact, I'm, I've just been working, putting together a, another podcast that I'm going to do that actual, that takes actual preparation. I mean, like, oh, shit. you know, there's, there's research on you and I kind of look at like some notes about you and I watch the, mm -hmm. I watch the domestic short hair. Uh, which is very, very funny. And oh, thank uh, you. some crowd work, not a lot, but yeah. some. So no, um, minimal, yeah. But like this other podcast that I'm doing takes real preparation. And I'm like, oh fuck, I haven't had to prepare for anything for years. I'm really kind of just like right. you know, I mean, I was on a talk show where, yeah, we had rehearsals and stuff, but mostly it was just like you said, there was the freedom of, well, I'm just gonna be in the moment. There isn't pressure on material that I've created. I'm just going to, mm -hmm. you know, be funny. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. There's always another show tomorrow. Um, right. So I would, I think I would definitely be more prone to that just because I don't like saying the same thing over and over too. Yeah. I mean, that that is, that's also part of it is like almost like by the time you get a joke working, you get a little bored with it. I find. Yeah. And it, and it's fine. There are definitely jokes that I like telling more than others, but. I never want to be up. I don't never. I and it's hard to avoid, but I never want to be like in the middle of a joke. Of, what am I even? I don't even know what I'm saying right now. It's yeah, autopilot, yeah. and I don't know why I ever thought this was funny. But I should. I should just. I shouldn't be talking like it's too negative. I kill no, every can. time with the best jokes. <laughs> I didn't, no, this is not a contractual obligation. This is I just don't. a podcast. You know. Um, do you still love it? Like do you. Er, at a certain point, has it become a job? I mean, and you can love a job, but it's still, you know, yeah. it's not, it's not the same thing as the thing that like got you all fired up to do it in the first place. It's funny. I heard a quote the other day. I remember just someone was quoting someone. They said, never get good at something that you don't like doing. <laughs> never get really good at something. And I was like, oh man, now God, I hope that's not what's going on. That's the most frightening thing. Of, I think is yeah, never get really good at something you don't like doing. Yeah, and yeah. But it, I mean, there's certain like, like I'm sure Bruce Springsteen goes to a football stadium. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do my show tonight. Whereas yeah, I yeah. look at that like, are you, oh my, a football stadium? Holy right, shit. Right. So there is, I mean, you, when you do something thousands of times, you, you know, you do get used to it a little and maybe it feels a little different. Cause I used to, I still like doing, I do like doing it to answer your question now. And I like yeah. when it goes well. And I like feeling good about myself that, oh, I'm good at this. But I mean, it does change because early on, like when I was doing those open mics in Florida, I remember 
we would ta- I would tape my set with my little cassette recorder. Sure. And like listen to the set on the way home, the drive home. <laughs> like the idea of doing that, that was like I couldn't imagine. You, I would rather listen to the worst band for an hour <laughs> than listen to my own set that I just did. My yeah, God. Yeah. But, but you're so you're so like thrilled that you're getting laughs. You're just like, oh my God. I'm, yeah. So so there it does change on some level. But yeah, I mean I, yeah, I guess I sort of do have this thing where you should do what you're good at, but yeah. Well, what do you? Uh, I mean, what do you see uh, going forward? What do you? Do you have any big plans? I mean, uh, you know, married, kids, uh, you know, start your own uh, boy band, um, uh, become a cat guy, where you get like twelve cats yeah. in one house. I know that's what I'm on my way, but I mean, I <laughs> not to get too personal, but I did just ha- have a breakup like three days ago. Oh but, no, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah. So that's that's that portion of my life. Oh the latest boy. news on that. But I I I've never been a big planner. Like I've never yeah. been like in I'm gonna write my check, solve a check for a million dollars, you know, whatever that story is about Jim Carrey. I'll plan things and you know, like my shows, but I've never been like I kind of go with the flow and I have things I wanna do. And I I mean I remember like when I did that show, Icky, did you see that show, Icky, that I did? Uh, so, yeah. The solo show? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I That was a thing it, where like, I, I didn't I, have yeah, an I idea for- that. I do remember. It's funny you just mentioned it, and I, I'm like, yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a thing where like I didn't even have an idea for a show, but I just had this idea like I wanted to do a show, because I do like to do things that break up to just doing stand-up. Yeah. So, that, so I kind of just booked this thing at the UCB Theater like a day, like eight months out, and- and then came up with the idea. And so I don't do a lot of like, here's, here are my goals. I mean, I have certain goals, but I don't, I kind of go with the flow, but like, I know some people who have their tour dates booked for like through the end of next year. And it's just like, I don't know if I want to do that. How come? Uh, Cause it, I mean, it limits you if you like, I already know what I'm doing in 2025 or something like, yeah, I know it's not next year, 2024. Yeah. Um, it just, it seems a little overwhelming maybe just to have so much of your life blocked out, but yeah. I mean, are you afraid like that there will be a job coming up that you'll miss or just, it's just, there's something about the no. It's like more of what it symbolizes. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I guess it's just, I, I mean, I have like 25, 30 tour dates booked. So, I mean, I'm doing plenty of work. So yeah, I guess I just. I also don't want to, I also, you know, maybe I want to like name a tour or something different a year from now or. I see. I just, I guess I don't see the need to book that far ahead, but. Yeah. Well, um, you know, of the three questions here, the one, uh, the final one is, uh, what have you learned? Like, do you have any sort of guiding principles that, uh, you'd be um, willing to share that you've, you know, stitched? I mean, I've learned that if you. Piece of needlecraft. <laughs> I mean, this is not super deep, but I learned that if you just hang in there and get good at what you do and try not to complain too much, unless yeah. you get like a bad hotel room, but. <laughs> or a comedy near, condo. Yeah. Yeah. That's near construction. But I mean, just hanging in there um, and just being patient if you can and not bugging people too much. I mean, maybe a little bit. Yeah. And. Just, uh, I guess that's what I've learned and that you can do things and get rejected and still do what you want to do. And if you just hang in there. Yeah. That's a little corny, but, uh, that's corny for me. Yeah. What do you, do you think, I mean, is there, you know, cause you have a very good reputation in comedy. Is that, mm-hmm. is that something that you're mindful of, of, yeah, of I mean, keeping? Yeah. I think there are that's something that's kept me going is, is knowing that, wow, a lot of people who I like, like me. I mean, I don't know if that's an egotistical thing to say, but. No, it's, I think it's completely like, it's a good system. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, I've always felt like anybody that's like, don't care what anyone else says is like flying in the face of what, uh, primates, how they live. You know, it's like we're, <laughs> you know, that's not how, that's not how, how we are supposed to live. We live in groups, troops and societies. And yeah. so, yeah, you, I think, you know, to, 
to be a relativist in terms of finding your own place among other human beings is only natural. So it's like, am I doing good work? Well, the people whose work I admire, admire my work. So yes, that's a good system, I think. I always love when I go on the road and I'm like in, you know, Boise, Idaho, and they're like, oh, half the Boise comedy scene is here in the back row. And like, I love that. That's that great. Makes me feel good. Yeah. 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 Because it, it's like, it's like, you know, whenever anybody said about the Conan show, you know, and I mean, it was on long enough. And when we went off the air, it was, you know, it was like, it was like being able to attend your own wake, you know, because mm-hmm. there were so many people came out to say nice things. And it's always matters when like people who are serious about comedy appreciate what you've done in the same way that you appreciated people that happened before you who are good and did, did it for the right reasons. You know, what you, what they meant to you, you now mean that to someone else. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it's also, it just reminded me of like, there's times where some booker or some club owner doesn't like me, you know, the, oh, your, your act is too low energy or something. I'm like, yeah, that's weird. Conan never complained about my energy level. <laughs> and whose opinion makes more, you know, right. there was never right, like, right. Todd, we'll put you back on the show, but you got to pep it up a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's like the people, that's an, an opinion I respect more than some club owner, but sure, so, sure. I mean, well, Todd, you are out doing the half joking tour. Do you have like a website where people can I do. check on I have upcoming to- dates? I was able to score toddberry.com. Nice. Uh, Newly refreshed website. Looks pretty. <laughs> All right. So check that out. And your new special, Todd Berry Domestic Short Hair, is on All Things Comedy. On uh, on the It's a YouTube channel. Very yeah. easy to find. I found yeah. it, and I, I'm, I'm not bright. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, but it was great to talk to you. Great to catch up yeah, with man. you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Good luck and, uh, you know, be nice to that kitty cat. I will. Thanks, man. And thank all of you for listening. Uh, I'll be back next week with uh, more The Three Questions. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco production. It is produced by Sean Doherty and engineered by Rich Garcia. Additional engineering support by Eduardo Perez and Joanna Samuel. Executive produced by Nick Liao, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, with assistance from Maddie Ogden. Research by Alyssa Grawl. Don't forget to rate and review and subscribe to The Three Questions with Andy Richter wherever you get your podcasts. And do you have a favorite question you always like to ask people? Let us know in the review section. Can't you tell my love's a-growing? Can't you feel it ain't showing? Oh, you must be a knowing. I've got a big, big love. This has been a Team Coco production. <laughs>